One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show where we explore our guests' past and the music that takes them back to moments in their lives. I'm Richard Chinqui. Our guest today is Dean Davis. Dean is Vice President of the Foundation Board of Directors at the State University of New York College at Oneonta. He's also a retired senior instructor at FGCU, and his early efforts at the university laid the foundations of the communication department. The list of classes he taught here at FGCU is a long one, but the one I want to mention is freshman public speaking, because that's where I met him almost 20 years ago. I actually snatched this episode from Mike Canary when I saw who the scheduled guest was, because I was so excited to catch up with one of my favorite former professors. So, let's get to it. Hey there, Dean. Hey, Richard. (laughs) So, in 2002, I took the Intro to Public Speaking class at FGCU, and you were my professor. Lucky you. uh, (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, Or lucky me. Do you remember that at all? I do not. I remember you more from uh, your later iteration. At IT. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and help you. How many times did someone bring in a second party uh, for one of their speeches to Mm. do a martial arts demo? I do remember. (laughs) Yeah. I had- That uh, would be one. Yeah. I had a friend who did uh, jujitsu, stand-up. Uh, jiu-jitsu and we threw each other around the classroom <laughs> I think I even bumped into a desk 19 um, years ago desk. oh don't say it that way <laughs> yeah you're right um, all right what was the musical background of your childhood well I'm was born in 1962 so I had I think that's a really great time to have been born because my <laughs> formative years were the 60s uh, you know the early years, the you know folk and and uh, all that singer songwriter, uh, great stuff, and then the seventies. Um, now what we call classic rock, mm-hmm. and um, but then disco, metal, punk. Um, so that was all part of my teen years was exposure to all that, and then I had a unique situation in that I was raised with a set of great grandparents. And my great-great-grandparents. Wow. My grandmother's grandparents. And so my great-great-grandmother was born in 1886. (sighs) Um, My great-great-grandfather probably 1883 or so. And so their adulthood was in the turn of the century. And I was exposed through them to all the big band stuff, swing. um, And then my grandmother's – and grandfathers probably uh, were were more of the country and um, uh, but again you know the big band stuff and uh, moving on and then my parents fifties uh, rock and roll. So uh, what part of the country did you grow up in? In what's we call it upstate New York, but it's mm-hmm. actually only a hundred miles north of New York City in the Catskills. Okay, and it's where the. Um, Woodstock concert was so, right. You know, so we'll get into that later. <laughs> okay, um, man. Uh, so I was born in 1983. 
So the idea that your great great grandparents might have been born like a hundred years before me mm-hmm. is crazy. Um, did, and that uh, they lived in. Uh, uh, my great great grandmother died when I was twenty two. So I really had my whole oh, man my through college with her in my life. Do you see ripples of that musical influence from your childhood with them? Today or any, or throughout your life, um, just like did any of that music stick in a? Oh yeah, in just a an appreciation. Um, you know, I I love uh, horns, you know, and uh, piano and and you know, so lots of the orchestras, mm-hmm. orchestras and big band. I really I really like that. And I remember when I was a kid. I don't know if you know of the Lawrence Welk show. I'm mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. but I remember when I was a kid. Um, you know, watching the Lawrence Welk show, and that was kind of a variety show with uh, some, uh, I guess, secular music and religious music and yep. um, skits and things. And um, so musical uh, comedy and musical variety shows kind of were a big part of my childhood. And I think in the 70s, that was kind of a big thing anyway. You know, there were every celebrity seemed to have a variety show and um, you know, so the, you know, whether it was Donnie and Marie or Cher or you know um, any Carol Burnett or you know anyone that's doing the Mind Springs to Carol Burnett show for me. And then I'm named after Dean Martin. Dean Martin had uh, a variety show and did Celebrity Roast, so comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, uh, Friars Club. Uh, so okay, so uh, was there a lot of Dean Martin in your house growing up? Then um, not not. Extra, but really? uh, just part of uh, that whole okay. you know kind of Rat Pack group sure. of Sinatra and you know, and then even um, you know Tony Bennett, who's still going strong, <laughs> just had a sp- yeah. just had a special this week, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know that type of music too. But my parents were more into country and to like uh, Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis, mm-hmm. um, uh, Patsy Cline, Dolly. And, yeah, Dolly definitely, yeah. and she's still going. She's still going, <laughs> still going too. Build so. them to last. You definitely. Um, what's the earliest you remember being moved by music? Like a you know a real experience. Um, I think my first song. So do okay. you want to do we'll, that? Yeah, uh, no, we'll circle back. Yep. Then. Yeah, circle we'll circle back. back. Okay. Um, did anybody in the house play any instruments? No. When, no. Sadly. Uh, no singing ability and no <laughs> instruments. I thought you, the way that word hung, it sounded like like no singing allowed. <laughs> no, no, there definitely okay. was singing, but and whistling. Okay. Um, but my I my mother played clarinet when mm-hmm. she was in elementary school and high school, and I did as well. And I had, uh, I think, a proficiency um, maybe for piano that never got realized. I started. With lessons, but we lived in a rural area, and mm. um, my mother didn't drive in the snow, and my dad um, worked for the highway department, so he was gone in the snow and uh, plowing. And uh, so winter piano lessons were, yeah. were ruled out, and uh, then I never got back into it. So. Yeah, that's an expensive Lesson to pay for to not practice for a third of the quarter of the year. Yeah, yeah. so I really um, I've always kind of regretted that. And then every time I think I should, and I have a good friend who's a piano teacher, um, that I should uh, get back into it. And then your know, life gets in the way. Sure. Um, if you could learn any instrument, Matrix style, right? Just like yeah. I want to learn that. Boop, mastery. What would you pick? Piano. Piano. Cool. Yeah. Right. As as a person who did seven years of piano lessons, uh, it definitely makes other instruments easier. So, you know, yeah. you could go for it. It's never too late. No, that's true. Um, what, um, 
Do you remember the first music, or what's the earliest music you remember owning that was yours? Okay, so um, <laughs> embarrassingly, uh, probably singles that were uh, trendy at the time <laughs> when I was a, a mid-teen, um, maybe something like, I know I did have Afternoon Delight, <laughs> <laughs> Skyrockets of Flight, yeah. and I did have... Um, uh, Elton John, but yeah, oh sure, a bunch okay. of Elton John singles and yeah. things like that. But my first albums when I was fifteen in nineteen seventy seven, some of the like you know still the greatest albums in history, like Fleetwood Mac Rumors, mm-hmm. and you know came up uh, Doobie Brothers, Minute by Minute, um, uh, Meatloaf, uh, Bad Out of Hell. Yep. Um, so I had you know those those albums and um, or Elton John, Yellowbrick Road, and um, different albums like that. That you know. So when I I think when I was fifteen was when I really started buying music and getting into music. Okay. Um. Well, I think it's time to get to your first song here. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to listen to first? All right. Well, because I grew up uh, merely a few miles from the Woodstock Music Festival. Yes. A uh, few miles by road and only a couple miles by air. Uh-huh. Um, we actually could hear the music that whole weekend. And if you couldn't make out what was being sa- sung by certain groups, you could uh, tell when you knew a song, though. And And the song that really resonates with me, and I think it's because she performed in the middle of the night on the second night, was Janis Joplin, Peace of My Heart. Right. And I remember uh, we were stuck at home that whole weekend because we were trapped by the just by Woodstock. <laughs> parked cars. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember lying in bed and it's you know hot summer night, August, and the rain hadn't started yet. And uh, the windows are open. There's no air conditioning in the house. Mm. And just lying there all night listening to music. You guys got like free concerts we or free uh, free tickets to Woodstock. And so you know, a lot of it was just like heavy bass and yeah. guitar and you could hear. But then I was only seven and a half years old. But the first song I recognized was Peace of My Heart by oh, Janis cool. Joplin. And I think it's um, because of the cadence of the song. You know, there's lots of shifts in it and uh, and then the, um, the music changes dramatically and her vocals change dramatically and um, I really I, I vividly remember that and just lying there listening to it and then after her what at like four in the morning we're Sly and the Family Stone oh okay and uh, you know, and the song I'm gonna take you higher you mm-hmm. know so I remember that vividly too and then I don't remember much the rest of it's kind of a blur while it started to rain and then um the final day, the Jimi Hendrix uh, yeah. national anthem. National anthem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's like, and then all of a sudden it was over, and it's like your ears popped because the music oh, yeah. stopped and the speakers were turned yeah. off. So, all right, well, uh, let's go back there. It's um, the middle of the night. You're seven, seven and a half, <laughs> and a half, <laughs> and um, very precocious. And uh, go back to your childhood room and. You're listening to your free performance (laughs) from Woodstock. Uh, This is Janis Joplin, um, Peace of My Heart, uh, from Woodstock, 1969. As we were listening, you looked at me and you said, goosebumps. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it takes me back to (laughs) my twin bed, my brother across (laughs) the room, a brown and uh, blue 
plaid <laughs> bedding and and just laying there in the August heat and listening to that and that um, tempo change oh, right yeah. at the beginning you yep. you called it whiplash and mm. you know I've always been drawn to that type of thing whenever um, musicians build. You know, I love uh, music that has a crescendo in it, yeah. and and um, most of my favorite artists all have you know, like two thirds or three quarters of the way through their song where they'll go up an octave and they're you know and and or you like know, a key change, yeah, key change, like that, yeah. start mm-hmm. start uh, singing more powerfully, or the band swells, the orchestra right. swells, and and I I've just always been drawn to that. But what she does there with that. Uh, Whiplash, where she just you know it's build, build, builds, and then she just takes it down to a cappella, and it's, I love that. Um, I told people that uh, in the air tonight by Phil Collins mm-hmm. is like an exercise in this because once you've heard it and you know where the that the drum hit is there, you and look how for it, sounds, it. Yeah, you look for it, and he teases it like three times before you get to it, yes. so you feel like you're about to hit this big yes. chorus, and then it just and it drops yeah. out again. It's actually really impressive how. Um, we like humans get yanked around by like by musical yeah. um, arrangement like that, and that song is so brilliant. Um, something in the air tonight because of there's you know it's just the rhythmic do 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 do, and you know it goes on and on very melodically, and then that when that drum solo comes in, you know later on, and there's a great meme around that with yeah. the. Teenagers listening to it for the first time, yeah. and they're just like, "Oh shit!" You know, they just can't believe it happened. Um, Get it, Phil? Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> there's a reason, right, that it stuck with us all this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what did with, your parents think about this impromptu overnight, all the way into the morning, multi-day? We were concert. They were so fatigued by it, but it was also like you knew. And I knew as a seven-year-old that it was history. Hmm. And, you know, because I'm probably because my parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles were all talking about it. And our summer neighbors who uh, lived right down at the end of our road. And the, uh, you know, there was just this cacophony of sound all weekend with the helicopters, you know, the big military helicopters flying back and forth over to take the artists in and out. Uh, to go to the nearest bigger town where there was a hotel and or where they you know, could get to freely, <laughs> and uh, just we lived on a on a farm on a half mile long road called Davis Road, and up at the top of the road we call it because it goes uphill, is fields on both sides, and the road the main road the two lane road going by at a ninety degree angle, and the two lane road became three lanes going one way and the cars just stopped they got gridlocked and then they all just got out of their cars and walked <laughs> they became a parking lot and it became yeah. a parking lot <laughs> and you know um just uh tow trucks or wreckers you know moving cars to the side so that you know fire trucks or ambulances yeah, could yeah. get through but you you literally couldn't go anywhere hmm. and it and we would just go up and sit and watch people and um, sitting on the hood of my father's truck, and it, it was pretty pretty wild. Wow! But you know, with Janis Joplin, I had heard her on the radio, and um, again with the horns in that song, mm-hmm. um, just kind of drawn to that, and it was very recognizable. 
And uh, I hadn't heard that live version actually in a long time. I have it on my uh, iPod as a, a recorded version. And uh, so this that was pretty cool. Uh, you brought your iPod with you. Yeah, it's just there for <laughs> reference in case I need to scroll. Yeah, I'm um, old school. I don't listen to music on my phone. I listen to my iPod. Uh, yeah, so that's what I was going to ask is uh, how do you, what devices do you usually listen to music on? Like is it mostly on the iPod? On, on yeah, most, mostly. And then um, obviously in the vehicle a lot. I snowbird. So I have uh, two or three days uh, twice a year to just listen to music mm. <laughs> or talk radio as I drive to and from New York. I now own uh, – my husband and I now own the farm next to my parents. Oh, wow. Uh, that uh, will feature into the my second song pick. So – I'll, I'll hold that. But, so there might be uh, another Woodstock one day. Yeah. Well, where the Woodstock concert was is now an incredible music venue called Bethel Woods. Right, right. And uh, we've seen some you know great concerts. The last concert we saw there was a few years ago. It was Sting. Wow. And he was performing with his son, Joe Sumner, who's, I guess, 40-ish um, and a <laughs> phenomenal um, musician, mm-hmm. I think kind of a folk musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's kind of a taller, broader version of Sting, and he <laughs> Sting two point Yeah, but he you know like uh, Sting more power, you know. I mean, <laughs> but he has um, also has his father's exact voice. Wow! So he oh he can do the songs with him. He, so he opened for him, and wow. then he backed him up, and it was really it was any incredible. standout songs during that performance for you? <sighs> I think. Um, if I ever lose my faith in you, mm. uh, there, I think that's one of the most beautiful songs, and uh, I really r- remember that. And you know, all the all the hits, of course, Roxanne and yeah, oh, you um, just you just snuck in a fourth song story. Yeah, that was that's great. true. Um, that's okay. The mini ones. Oh, there are, okay. are seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had thirty. I had to narrow uh, down. I had to the these same three. problem. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, let's let's go back to to childhood just a little mm-hmm. bit when you were in middle and high school and yep. kind of finding your own music. Um, was there a style that you gravitated towards or were you just like listen to everything kind of a- – Probably listened to everything because it was the late 70s mm-hmm. and in the late 70s it was – It hadn't stratified. Everything. Really. It hadn't yeah. stratified. So I think I wrote in an email to you that my – our high school dances mm-hmm. would go from Leonard Skinner yes. to Donna Summer. To the B-52s, to Anita Ward singing Ring My Bell, yep. to Stairway to Heaven, to Meatloaf, to um, <laughs> Meatloaf uh, Billy Joel. You know, just uh, So if I say slow dance, like a high school slow dance, oh. what's the first thing? Something just jumped in. Yes. The uh, Two Out of Three Ain't Bad by Meatloaf probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, um, maybe like Vienna, Billy Joel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, you and your husband, uh, musical taste, do they align? Yes, pretty much. Where do they not? I think I'm I'm more exposed to the newer stuff. Mm. I think he's more um, – appreciates more of the 70s and 80s or 60s, 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And then I – because I was a teacher you know, oh, at the yeah, university. Yeah. keep you young. I, I kept me young. Yeah. I got exposed to more and I – and I have a natural curiosity for things like that. So, but I'll uh, turn him on to music, and I'll load um, both of our iPods. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> with, with uh, more uh, current stuff there and you go. Uh, helping him out. Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any songs that you um, 
that you played for him and vice versa that you just there's nothing to grab onto. Mm, no, I don't I don't think so or, or uh you know because something you know a little more current like Bruno Mars yeah. or well obviously Adele and um Kelly Clarkson, Dua Lipa, you know, One Republic, you know, all these things are – all these groups and, and uh, artists are um, – artists I appreciate and I've exposed him to to them. So, yeah. OK. You may have a, a more modern um, music taste than I do because <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm old and curmudgeonly. There you go. Um, let's see. You answered a bunch of these just a second ago. Oh, when's the last time – when was the last time that you bought music that had a physical form? Oh, I know. I've, it's so funny. I was just thinking that. Um, I was just buying vinyl as a gift and I uh, tapped into a friend who's kind of an expert on that to find out where how I even do that. But the last physical form was probably a CD and I'm sure – so what's the so uh, uh, there's no actual real world fact quiz here. What's the last CD you remember buying? Ay, ay, ay. I'm gonna say it might have been like the Black Eyed Peas or um, that sets a date. I know yeah, when that was. Yeah. <laughs> and then CD. you know, or or some classic uh, you know Aretha or uh, or Stevie Nicks or sure. someone who I really adore and. Okay. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's get into your second song here. Uh, what did you bring us? Okay. Um, here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And the reason I chose it, I miss the Beatles because I was born well, in 62. Yeah, yeah. So, and my parents missed the Beatles because they came up before the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so I didn't – I'm the oldest sibling, so I didn't have any exposure to the Beatles until my summer neighbors, whose farm I now coincidentally right, right. own, um, they, it, there were three sisters, the youngest of whom is my exact age, and we're still close friends. She's like a sister to me. And she has her two older sisters, uh, probably four years older and six years older. And they they had musical tastes that exposed me in the summers. Oh, they so, were filling the older sibling, yes, older, here's some music Exactly. Role. Yeah, so, that's great. So the exposure to the Beatles came through them. And uh, growing up on a farm, you don't really travel or do anything because the farm is the, what you do. And uh, so in the summers, we never took vacations and – when I was 12 or 13, the neighbor's uh, family uh, were going back to their home in the suburbs of New York City in New Jersey, right across the river from Manhattan, for the week. And they said, would you like to come along? And I about passed out. I was like, of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. Get, get me out of here yeah. and uh, <laughs> get me to the city. And so we did suburban things and we did city things. Did tourist things. Touristy things. And I, the reason I chose uh, Here Comes the Sun, my favorite Beatles song is Hey Jude, mm-hmm. and uh, which I've listened to uh, probably 3,000 times in my life. But – here Comes the Sun, I remember because that trip, uh, we left the country and it's about an hour and a half down to the suburbs in New Jersey and we were in the back of their father's 
Oldsmobile Delta 88 <laughs> yeah, yeah. sitting four across in the back. Yeah, it's a bench. Because, yeah. of course, you don't use seatbelts in the 70s. And uh, this would probably be 74 or 75. And I was in one of the middle seats. And we're driving down the New York State Thruway. And it's a beautiful, sunny summer day. And I'm so excited. I'm like coming out of my skin. You know, I just, I'm just, all, all, uh, all nerves are functioning. I'm just ready to scream. And I put my head back and I don't know if it was on the radio or on an eight track tape, but Here Comes the Sun came on the radio. And I had my head back looking up at the blue sky through the rear wind, windshield. Yeah. And it's the first time I remember a song really affecting me with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I felt this like change, like this maturity or whatever was happening at 12, 13 years old. I felt like this was a moment in my life that was a, a kind of marker, a milestone. And it, and it was. It changed my life. Awesome. You know, as soon as I could get off that farm, I did. And... Uh, and then, of course, 30 years later, I went back. So. <laughs> it's a circle. Yes. Circle well, let's life. let's go back to that uh, Delta 88. Um, it's Here Comes the Sun off the Beatles' 1969 album, Abbey Road. Still so good. <laughs> <laughs> I was there with you, man. I could see it. I was wow. there with you, too. Yeah. I've got goosebumps again. That was, uh, yeah, that was great. And tears in my eyes, too. Mm. So, um, Does that song bump into you a lot in the real world, like in day-to-day stuff? Um. Yeah, it comes up. I mean, well, lately there's so much on the Beatles going on. So Mm -hmm. uh, with the new documentary and everything and um, uh, catching uh, Paul McCartney interviews on on, uh, like Howard Stern and other uh, shows. So um, definitely it's always kind of – it's always in there and I'll find myself humming it. And I just now I I teared up because I I realized how pivotal – that moment was. And I had the exact same thing uh, 10 years later when I was 22 um, with a song that I was going to put as my third, but I figured the story was too much, too similar. But it was Bronsky Beat, um, Small Town Boy. And um, as I drove away at 22 when I moved uh, to the suburbs, I, uh, I had that same feeling. You know, like farms behind me, yeah. I'm I'm out of here. <laughs> the soundtrack to the transition. Yeah, exactly. The soundtrack to the transition. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Um, do you listen to music at work? Did you bring it here with you? Did you were you yeah. able to utilize it? Actually, I'm sorry you had me in the early aughts because um, I moved away from 07 to 10, and when I came back to FGCU from Arizona, I. Um, really wanted to incorporate music in my classes. So I would bring in my iPod, my old iPod, Mm -hmm. and um, hook it up at the beginning of every class before the hour started, uh, so like at 25 after or 5 of, and um, have it playing as the students shuffled in. And I would always pick different things. So I might throw in country or I might throw in – you know, something gospel even and uh, just something I was exposed to or a little, uh, you know, run DMC or – Just to yeah. what, just get them talking? Yeah, just or? get – or just get them moving just, and okay. and, yeah, yeah. and start to like drown out the rest of the day and, and then I'd switch it off uh, and we'd, 
we'd get into it, you know. And uh, okay, um, so I, I used to have fun with it. it, it some of the stuff uh, was not appreciated, I don't think, but <laughs> but others others it is. Uh, what uh, what is the what was the um, flattest falling one? <laughs> oh, I can't think. You know, I pr- probably anything uh, more serious like a Streisand or something. Oh. <laughs> college students aren't going to appreciate not, they don't buy that. it. They don't buy it. Um, Memories. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, but you get in uh, like, you know, Black Eyed Peas, for instance, sure. or, or a little CeeLo Green. It's party or, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Something. Get, get them going. All right. Um, M&M. Okay. So uh, not counting Woodstock, mm-hmm. what was uh, your peak concert experience? Oh, Wow. I've ha- I was thinking that because I knew this would be a question, and I've seen um, a bunch of artists repeatedly, and you know, someone like a Tina Turner, I, oh. I saw her in the '80s, '90s, and twice in the O's, okay. and um, she, right before she retired uh, the last time, and um, her voice, the the mm. clarity and the power. Um, you know, she does a cover of uh, Robert Palmer's "Addicted to Love," where in the chorus, you, know, you might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Might as well face it. You're addicted to love. Um, she comes in and then goes up like three octaves, <laughs> and it's like you might as well face yeah. it. You know, and she just really blasts it, and it it it, it really went through your bones. You know, yeah. but you know, as I said, someone Ooh. like what. <laughs> that was Mike, but you know, <laughs> Stevie Nicks, uh, Sting, you know, just so many, so many great performers. My first concert was Hall and Oates. <laughs> Didn't and, expect that after the. <laughs> and I love, I love Hall and Oates. Yeah. And I actually saw them during the Voices tour when I was in college, which was their big album with you know, "Kisses on My List" and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, they were they were really great. Okay, and I've seen. Works. Should I call the Hall and Oates line? Yeah, please. Did you is, mention it? Is there a whole? There's, there's explain a phone it while line. I call. Oh, I, I have heard this. Oh, yes. okay. But okay. tell the audience. I'm sure. So there's a phone line that you can call. I'm going to yes. call it. And Mike, Mike's going to call it for us. Um, Mike, you can uh, wave at me if I say something inaccurate here, but I'm pretty sure it's just um, it's 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 effectively like an audio service where they they're just playing Hall and Oates all the time as they you should. Can call it as an audio check. <laughs> Um, let's look up the history of this while I'm while Mike's bringing and, it up. And we saw Hall and Oates in Naples a f- couple of years or a few years ago. They're still and banging around. Still, uh, it was you know ninety minutes of just number ones, I believe. <laughs> and um, you know Daryl Hall doesn't go up as high with Oosh, his voice, fair. but he's got more of a kind of a growly thing going on now, and it works. And yes, Hall and Oates, yeah. Your emergency Hall and Oates helpline. Oh, I love it. Here one on one. Please press 1. To hear Rich Girl, please press 2. You pick. To hear Man Eater, please press 3. 3. To hear Private Man Eater, right? Is that what you picked, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for a little Sarah smile. So, yeah, so there it is. It, it took a lot of time to achieve that. <laughs> <laughs> Worth every second. Um, it was. We used Maneater in our Halloween playlist that I pumped out into the neighborhood uh, while we sat out front because it's such a good song. Um, uh, what's the furthest you ever traveled to see a, a band or, you know, music act live? Mm. Future, 
in a month, I'm going to fly to Dallas to see Elton John. That probably counts. So yeah. we'll, let's put that one in because I think that's the <laughs> furthest I've traveled. What a show that's going to be. I hope so. Wait. This is is this the farewell farewell tour? tour yeah holy cow and it was we had tickets for uh, during the pandemic and he, they bumped it back of course bumped it back yeah so. oh man now I wish I had, is that the closest he's gonna come no no I think he's gonna be here in Florida uh, Tampa probably I might and, have to check that out if you could see any uh, musician or band living or dead at their prime live who would you see Ooh. <laughs> maybe Aretha Franklin. Ooh, yeah. Because I th- I think her, from what I've seen and and seen in documentaries, um, her concerts back in the '60s and '70s were you know, like religious experiences. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah. Or or Whitney Houston. Same deal, kind yeah, of. Same right? deal. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Um. Stage musicals. Mm-hmm. Big yes. Big no. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoy moderate sized. Okay. <laughs> yes. Oh no. Enjoy. Okay. Um, uh, st- any standout ones? Well, um, you know, more contemporary rent, you know, now actually that's not even contemporary anymore yeah. probably, but, uh, uh, you know, guys and dolls and, uh, I'm just trying to think, oh, um, uh, beautiful. Uh, the Carol King musical. Okay, that was the last one we saw in on Broadway a few years ago, and that was incredible. Cool. And and Carol King, you don't realize, you know, how much she wrote for other people. Mm-hmm. And that musical, the staging is done brilliantly, where you, it's set largely in a recording studio, so they have uh, the stage is kind of uh, tiered and. So up high in these boxes, you'll see like a recording studio and it's the Drifters or the Shirelles. And oh, so they'll they'll wow. cut from her uh, working on the song with her husband right. to the, the group singing That's it. That's smart. And yeah. It's really clever. I and like it's that. it's fantastic. Okay. Um, movie musicals? Uh, yes. You know, uh, Chicago, of course, is a, a, a big one. But – more more uh, movie soundtracks. You know. What is – so my next question here says, any movie soundtrack that you listen to for the music itself? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, Bodyguard would be you know, an obvious one. Yeah. I, and <laughs> yeah. I, I'm trying to think of uh, – well, I, I mentioned the Bourne movies, which oddly enough, but you, know, you put in some of that great uh, – Instrumental stuff and the and the Moby at the end. And yeah, uh, turn of the millennia house yeah. music. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. industrial. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, what is the what is the last one of those you remember listening to? Like the last time you hit play on a movie soundtrack. Mm, boy, there was something, and I'm, I'm blanking. And, I guess. Well, let's just say bodyguard. But it was uh, there's something else, and I can't, I can't pull it up in my mind. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> that's all right. Um, all right, I think it's time for your third song. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we got? Vision of Love, yeah. Mariah Carey. Okay. I uh, it's a little shift change there, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not a crazy Mariah Carey fan, uh, even as a gay man of a certain age. But <laughs> I. Her first two albums in particular really uh, were impactful and resonated. And the reason I chose uh, Vision of Love, it was the first song released. It was her introduction to the world. 
and it's such an incredible song, and I remember exactly where I was when I heard it. Ooh. It was that impactful. Again, it involved a car. I love to drive. I was um, working for a company in New York City as a project manager uh, for a commercial office furniture uh, firm that did big projects, you know, like whole skyscrapers or whole office park buildings. Okay. And I had uh, projects in California. And one of my projects was in L.A. in May of 1990. And commuting into New York City is difficult uh, and painstaking and beats you up. <laughs> and going through a winter commuting into New York City, you know, with the hot and cold, coat on, coat off, uh, sloppy slush and, you know, all that. Um, I get out to L.A. and it's May. <laughs> And it's just it's paradise. Paradise. <laughs> it's kind of like you know uh, Southwest Florida and at Thanksgiving, early December. Yeah, yeah. And I rented, I believe it was called Showcase Rental Cars or Auto Rental, and it was a company where you could rent something other than like a Taurus or a Malibu or they had real cars, uh, fun cars, actual and, cars. Yeah, and but for good prices, you could get something like a Saab convertible, which was mm -hmm. what I chose. Yeah. And my client wanted to have dinner to celebrate the project at a restaurant in Malibu. And so I was driving on the Pacific Coast Highway. It's a pretty road. Convertible. Yep. Having just gone through a New York winter. Being in California. Being in California. Mm. Looking out at the ocean in the late afternoon sun, yeah. <laughs> lowering. <laughs> and... I believe – I want to say it was Shadow Stevens, the DJ, mm. but he may have been the morning guy. But I know I listened to Shadow Stevens when I was out there driving around. Um, and the DJ said – and this next song, ladies and gentlemen, is from a young woman that I believe we're going to be hearing a lot about. And we're, she's going to be around for a long time. Just my prediction. He said something to that sure, effect. Sure. And he said, here with Vision of Love is Mariah Carey. And – Wow. Well, we got to listen to it now. So, um, talk about it on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is Vision of Love uh, by Mariah Carey off her 1990 album uh, that was self titled. I made a joke while we were getting ready because uh, it's December and it's a Mariah Carey song, and mm -hmm. all I want for Christmas is to become this monster of a meme. Yeah. Um, but man, it it's worth going back to thinking about like why she was as big as she was that high note yeah is unreal yeah. it doesn't sound human i think she goes like seven or eight octaves yeah. in it's, that one song it's a huge run and when i i was driving along yeah. looking out the ocean <laughs> feeling great like a movie 28 years old yeah. top <laughs> top of my game just loving life and i got to that restaurant and i was just like holy shit. What did I just hear? Yeah. And I went in and I said to the client, and she was with her husband. He was kind of a dour guy. And I, I said, I just heard the most incredible song. And she looked at me and she said, Mariah Carey, we just heard it yeah. too. And we talked about it for half of that dinner. And <sighs> I don't even remember the client's name, <laughs> uh, but I could see her. But uh, – you know, that first album, the first couple of albums, you know, and, and Someday and Make It Happen mm -hmm. uh, before yeah. she reached ubiquity. Yeah. Um, you know, 
kind of the Adele of her day. Yeah. You'll remember Rolling in the Deep yep. in 2010 and how everybody got so sick of that song. <laughs> but uh, I still love that song, Me too. too. Love that song. And, um, you know, Uptown Funk, you know, any song yep. that gets played and played and played and played. Yeah. But, you know, this is before streaming and before all that. And you had to go out and buy music or listen for it to come around on the radio. Yeah. And Vision of Love was one of those songs that then you heard every day. Sure. And so over time, people are like, oh, for God's sakes, Mariah Carey, Vision of Love. <laughs> and it's kind of like uh, Christmas. Yeah. You know, all I want for Christmas. Yeah. But at that time, uh, you know, Whitney Houston a few years before, obviously, with the vocals. Um, and then the Bodyguard soundtrack, I think, was like a year or two later. But uh, Mariah Carey was like, wow. And the fact that she was like 100 pounds. She was this she's little, tiny, right? little tiny yeah. thing. And um, I went on to meet her uh, through my job wow. in office furniture, uh, <laughs> project managing, because, because one of my big clients was Sony, uh, my last big project oh, I ever makes, did. Okay, that makes sense. And I did their whole headquarters and yeah. um, would see her come in. I mean, we didn't sit and gab. She just passed sure. me and – and was introduced to me, but um, the path from for office furniture to, to Mariah Carey is probably not very well no, traveled. No so one would think. Good job, so it's <laughs> pioneer. My, it's my job to surprise. <laughs> I just wanted to point out um, she was only twenty one when she was singing that, and um, that's pre auto tune. So like, yes, that's yeah. like that's you all know, her. That's all her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Geez, the lows, the highs, and the runs. Yeah, that was the, the first time yeah. I had heard that. Like whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. and then of course every. Uh, sing, Everyone had to do it. Yeah. You know, every voice singer, every American Idol singer has to do that. Yeah. Especially, but, you know, in the 90s. Like yeah. like it was a, a an era of chasing the trend. Yes. Um, so <laughs> uh, we're going to shift into a little bit of a speed round here. Okay. So right out of the gates, do you have any theme songs from TV that you have memorized that you would commit to singing with us here? I Actually, funny. Has anyone ever done Maud? No, no one's done Maud. Oh, because I know some of the, you know, obviously the Jeffersons, and but coming up in the seventies, yeah, theme songs were huge. Yeah, of course, and, they were, very and they important. played for a minute or a minute and a half. They what you? They took, <laughs> what it was? It was it Bosom Buddies, Mike. That we Bosom <laughs> Buddies is like a two minute theme song with a story in the I, middle it of it. It just goes on and on. Okay, I've got Maud here. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to help words, sing, but I, so, I'm okay. sure it's in my brain somewhere. We'll so got. we'll see what we got. got. Okay, we oh, wait, wait, he's gonna, okay, get a little water in you. Okay. And I have a terrible singing voice, much to my chagrin. Here we go. Three, two, one, Maud. <laughs> Godiva was a freedom rider. She didn't care if the whole world looked. Embark with the Lord to guide her. She was a sister who really could cook. <laughs> Isadora was the first bra burner. Ain't you glad she showed up? And when the country was falling apart, Betsy Ross got it all sewed up. And then came Maud. Then came Maud. And then there's Maud. And then there's Maud. It's the only part I know. And then there's Maud. And then there's Maud. 
nice and lending prize and anything but tranquilizing right on mom. <laughs> hey! I wish I had a voice because that's it's that was, such uh, a cool you, song. <laughs> well, well, it. well done. I only knew like the bum, 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 bum. But it's I like, knew it had the word mod in it. <laughs> and then that little rap at the end on yeah. Compromise and Enterprise and not yeah, anything but tranquilizing. But uh, all those songs and then, you know, all the great instrumental theme songs like the Rockford Files yep. or something like that um, were, were so memorable it just really set the mood the whole family sat yeah. down Sanford and Son yeah right yeah good times good times yeah all in the family and then of uh ABC had all these uh, m- uh like uh, uh procedurals murder mystery mm-hmm. of the week shows like uh, uh McLeod and Cannon yeah and, <laughs> and it was all uh uh Quinn Martin productions and that was the the thing a Quinn Martin production <laughs> you know <laughs> next uh next week on uh Cannon recipe for murder <laughs> and it was all that type of stuff so as kids we would just kind of mimic that and and you couldn't be over top enough yeah no. yeah it was always always love big. that I love that um all right if you were a uh, pro wrestler what would your walk-on music be Ooh. <laughs> i'm sure somebody's using slim shady no nope. um, no one has used any eminem to uh, my knowledge yeah well yeah, that's too obvious. So look who's back. Um, maybe something like Stevie Nicks stand back or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, what would your what would your pro wrestler persona name be? Oh God, I have to do something with Dean. So I don't know something some alliteration with Dean, like Dizzy Dean or Dazzling Dean. Did you watch Community at all? No. There's a running gag for six seasons of that show of um, Dean Pelton, Dean, the title, mm-hmm. Dean Pelton, um, played by um, Jim Rash. Jim Rash. Jim Rash. Okay. Jim Rash. Um, he's amazing. And uh, and he 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 does every time he comes in at the beginning of an episode, you know, I, I call it the Urkel walk on because mm-hmm. like there's always that moment where it's like we know he's going to be in here somewhere. Right. And he does a Dean pun. So oh. like So like he'll come in. Um, I think there's one where he comes in and he just he just goes Greendale's music department is flat borrowed. How have I never heard this? You no really, one's yeah. ever brought Community? this up to me. Community is one of the best shows. Yeah, I'm I'm aware of the yeah. show and and uh, for some reason we just never watched it. But what's Dean got to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's time to Tina turn your clocks back. And he's, and he's in different characters. Yeah. like well, dressed, he's wearing a little mini skirt. Oh, that's and right. I can picture Jim Rash doing yeah, that. I, just, so I love how tortured the puns were. Right, like <laughs> you're you're the, and Community's been out for what twenty years or fifteen years? Um, maybe a decade. S- decade? Oh, ten yeah. years. Okay, but so. but fifteen it could be. And I'm a big Joel McHale um, fan. Yeah. So. Oh, then yeah, this is time. Um, no one is. You're the first person who's ever said that. Told me about that. So. He and he and Ken Jong mm-hmm. have a podcast about being on Community. Oh, okay. that they still run. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> um, if a bartender friend said that they were going to make a cocktail and they were going to name it after you, or you were going to inspire this cocktail, what what do you think that cocktail would be? Mm. Like, how would it be made? Well, I'm currently in a bourbon mode. Yeah. I'm perpetually in a bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm either vodka or bourbon. So currently I'm loving bourbon and Diet Coke. I mean, it's just a very simple. All right. And uh, what do you call that? You'll have to name it something here. Oh, goodness. Something with Dean? No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I don't know. Straight up Dean. or Dean Martin-er. Hey. More Dean Martin-y. 
Mm. <laughs> Demartini. Demartini. So, so let's switch to it could be Grey a... Goose and go the vodka route. So is this is this vodka and Diet Coke? No, no. no. <laughs> vodka and just a little essence of uh, something orange or or you know cranberry or something. But not a full-on Cosmo, just like a little, just a little, little okay, little, little dash, dash. Okay, Dean, Mar- the Dean Martini. Yeah, let's I go like with that. that. That's easier. <laughs> All right. Um, if you could broadcast any song into uh, the head of every person in the world simultaneously, oh, wow. what song would you pick? <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Sting? If I, if I ever lose my faith in you. All right. Any albums that you have to listen to, kind of front to back, when you hear them. Or at least once it's on, that's what's on now. Like, that's the album. Oh, yeah. Um, Carol King Tapestry, anything by Eva Cassidy, kind of a mood music in the house while you're walking around. Um, Florence and the Machine. Oh, yeah. And Boy, I didn't expect after, like, I, no, like on the back jumping. of Carol King, Florence yeah, and the Machine. I'm just, I, I, that's great. Florence and the Machine is uh, probably my favorite group. Oh, uh, and now uh, you know it's what I really enjoy listening to. So any of uh, any of their albums because they're all wonderful and they're all really a best as an album. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Um, what song would you love to hear again for the first time? Jeez, <laughs> mm. for the first time. Maybe Hey Jude. Oh, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Because yeah, that... I, yeah, and then when they come in with the chorus and you da 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 da, and you're just mm-hmm. singing along. La, 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 la. And you do it like the first time it happens. Like you, yeah. You, you like, I know how to sing this. Yeah. Um, because that's... it's a very simple song and, and just, you know, it builds and then um, it goes in that kind of uh, choral mode for a long time. Yep. Uh, what do you think your 14-year-old self would um, think about who you are today? I think pretty excited um, because at 14, I was deeply closeted, you know, 1976 in rural New York. Rural New York. Yeah. Um, and really trying to fi- fight the, you know, kind of like fatalistic thoughts of, you know, why has this happened to me? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I'll never have a life. You know, it's because back then it was you know doom gloom. If you're if you're gay, you're just uh, um, sentenced to be the you know the crazy family member that nobody talked about, or you know somebody um, confirmed bachelor. Yeah, confirmed bachelor who was shunned, and you know um, you know the you. Religion was shunning you. Family was shunning you. Community was shunning you. It was, uh, it, you know, um, but little did I know at the time too that there was gay community and there were uh, people with uh, gay relatives who they accepted and loved, and um, it just wasn't part of my experience yet. And you you project all this negativity uh, forward and. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, fast forward into my twenties, and it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, everything changed so fast. So, um, if you could tell him something, what would you what would you say? Just be you and uh, f them. You know, uh, all the bullies and the people who are making you feel less than, or you know, a lot of it's in your own head. <laughs> uh, it's time for you to recommend three people 
ah. to uh, to be on our show. Well, I do have three people, and they're all right here in your own community and can okay. get over here easily. Easy then, yeah. Good. The first and most obvious, because I've heard other people recommend him, and he has still not done the podcast. M is and M. M. Miles Mancini. Miles Mancini. Yeah. Uh, His name has been said more than called, any other non-guest on uh, this well, show. Well, then I think it's time to actually reach out to him and uh, get him in here. Uh, definitely um, a, a lover of music, a um, um, very talented musician mm -hmm. and uh, someone who um, I think would be just a real wonderful conversation. Cool. So Another you... is a former student who became a colleague, Amanda Park. She's an instructor in the communication program here. And uh, she's also a musician and uh, just as, you know, kind of a really neat uh, chick, as it were, mm -hmm. who uh, I think would bring a really great perspective to this. And then uh, Jason Ellick, who uh, teaches in Lang and Lit. Okay. And um, he also is a musician of sorts. And uh, uh, so I think the three of them, uh, it was funny. At first, I kind of panicked mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, knowing that I would have to do this. Yeah. I'm like, who in Naples that I'm friends with is going to think this is a good idea? But then I was really thinking. And obviously, uh, some of my good friends, like Maria Rocca and Mike mm -hmm. Kennedy, been have been in. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Tom DeMarkey, obviously a, uh, a music uh, encyclopedia <laughs> with two legs. Absolutely. And um, so I – then all you know, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I do know people." So, well, when your episode comes out, you put it in those people's hands and give Miles a little punch on the shoulder. <laughs> well, I think he's waiting for way. a call. Okay, know? we'll we, get him. We've in. interacted with him, and it's always gotten busted up by one thing or another. Yeah. so uh, we'll make it happen. It's happening. It's going to happen. Hey, Mariah Carey, make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, how did you find this whole process? Like, um, loved it. Doing your songs. Um, was it easy? Was it hard? I it know, was you have a long list there. Yes, it was difficult in the uh, narrowing down. Mm. And at first, because I I mistakenly thought it was three favorite songs. Right. And then when you sent the material, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Obviously, three song stories. And uh, then I narrowed it down to songs that I remembered where I was specifically <sighs> Hearing them that's and the sauce like a communications person would exactly good job exactly all right um, any final thoughts for us before we go no I just um, I'm so excited you're doing this and now I'm listening to the podcast which I hadn't previously it's been in my sphere and, but just to you know I'll take an hour blah, yeah. you know but yeah, now yeah. that I can drive and listen to podcasts and and do things and uh, actually sit in the house and turn the TV off and. <laughs> And do this. I've I've really been enjoying them. It's a it's a wonderful thing that you're doing, and it's been interesting to see the progression uh, with you guys too from the early uh, the first twenty or so, and yeah, then and then absolutely. how it's grown. And um, but really interesting that everyone comes up with something, you know, has something to tell. And you know, I thought when I started to think, I I really hadn't thought about my life and relation to music. And then when I started to think about it, I was like, wow, I I really have a deep appreciation, you know, going through the 60s, you know, from the Supremes or Crosby, Stills and Nash and and then moving through, you know, rock and disco and and just, you know, with always with the, you know, my divas always uh, 
always present, and then uh, uh, just trying to keep up um, and be, you know, current with someone like a Dua Lipa or Miley Cyrus's new music is fantastic, and and uh, just trying to appreciate and keep my mind open to all all different things. Well, I'm sure that you'll have lots of connections going forward too, and uh, more more soundtracks to the the Dean Davis movie. Very so. good. Dean, Dean, Dean. <gasps> Dean. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being on. Well, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chinqui is co-creator, producer, and host. Tara Callaghan is our online content producer and host. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. And technical direction is by Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm going back to my freshman year of college. In my public speaking class, we were assigned a presentation that explored our personal culture. I decided to do a short Tai Chi routine I'd been doing for a year or so, and I also decided to use the theme from the 1994 TV show Kung Fu, The Legend Continues. I'm sure it wasn't as cringy as I think. That would be impossible but I definitely would have advised against it if I could go back and talk to myself beforehand. Anyway, I still have the show soundtrack in my rotation, and every now and again, I hear it, and I'm back in class working through my eight-form routine, which I learned, by the way, from a David Carradine VHS tape. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. I told myself I wasn't going to say this on NPR radio, but you know what I'm saying? I'm trying, I would like to keep it clean.